The CECC announced today that seven COVID cases previously classified as imported have been reclassified as local infections. Six of the cases are part of a cluster infection at a quarantine hotel in Taoyuan. The hotel has recently recorded eight COVID cases, seven of which have been confirmed to have been infected by the same Delta variant. Officials say the cluster may have been caused by environmental contamination within the hotel. The other reclassified case is a patient who had stayed at a quarantine hotel in Taipei. Let's hear from a health official. 70跟 As for cases 16,870 and 16,859, case 16,859 arrived from Cambodia and case 16,870 arrived from the U.S. Looking at their genetic sequencing results, they were both sequences we have not seen before in either local or imported cases. The genetic sequence had an area of mutation that we cross-reference with international records. No similar strains had been detected in Cambodia. But in the U.S., there have been more than 1,600 similar samples. So we have determined that the virus must have been brought in from the U.S. by case 16,870 and then spread to this person arriving from Cambodia. So today, we relisted K16859 as a local infection. Two of the patients in the cluster were diagnosed with COVID in the community after finishing their mandatory quarantine. So far, tests for all their contacts have returned negative. In related news, the CECC announced that four of the imported cases reported between December 10th and 16th were infected by Omicron. They were all detected upon arrival at the airport, posing no risk to the community so far. The U.S. Senate has confirmed Nicholas Burns as Washington's ambassador to Beijing. Senators voted 75 to 18 on Thursday to fill in a vacancy that's been pending for almost a year. Burns has previously taken a tough stance on China, saying that Beijing can't be trusted to uphold its commitments to Hong Kong or the Taiwan issue. Analysts say his appointment signals a continuation of the U.S.'s hard line on Beijing. I don't think we can, we certainly cannot trust the Chinese in this issue. During a confirmation hearing in October by the U.S. Senate's Foreign Affairs Committee, the Biden administration's nominee for ambassador to China, Nicholas Burns, did not mince his words, saying that China could not be trusted. On Thursday, senators voted 75 to 18 to confirm him as the next ambassador to China. Chinese uh, leaders in recent months has been that they intend to take back Taiwan. Our responsibility is to make Taiwan a tough nut to crack, help it increase its asymmetric defenses through the Taiwan Relations Act. Burns is 65 years old and has a wealth of experience in diplomatic affairs. He had been present at the Hong Kong handover ceremony in 1997 and has since seen how China has gone back on its commitments. He has said that Hong Kong's example shows that China cannot be trusted to uphold its commitments on the Taiwan issue. The commitments they made to the people of Hong Kong and to the rest of us around the world and the Chinese have gone back on every one of those commitments. So if we link that to Taiwan, we obviously cannot trust China to meet the commitments it's made on the Taiwan issue. Observers say that Burns' hard line on China means that Washington will continue supporting Taiwan and pushing back against Beijing.
Before departing for China, he laid down very clearly his stance on everything related to Taiwan and China, setting a bottom line and upper limit in cross-strait policy. It doesn't really represent a major breakthrough or policy change. He is a career diplomat. It's not like before, where maybe good friends or the president or heavyweight politicians were sent to Beijing to deliver messages from Washington firsthand. Basically, career diplomats don't have such a strong political stance. They deal with matters in a strictly business-like manner. After an almost one-year vacancy, an ambassador has finally been assigned to Beijing. Amid the current tensions between the U.S. and China, Burns will have a tough job on his hands. Head of a visiting French National Assembly delegation, François de Rougy, was presented with a Medal of Honor for Parliamentary Diplomacy on Friday. The honor was conferred to him by Legislative Speaker Yoshi Kun, who took the occasion to thank the lawmaker for passing a pro-Taiwan resolution in his country earlier this year. De Rougy says the French parliament as a whole supports Taiwan's international participation, voicing hope for closer Franco-Taiwan exchanges in the future. Legislative Speaker Yoshi Kun confers a Medal of Honor for Parliamentary Diplomacy to the head of the French National Assembly delegation, François de Rougy. Yo thanked the French lawmakers for overwhelmingly passing a pro-Taiwan resolution amid China's pressure and threats to Taiwan. For Taiwan, which is on the receiving end of China's abuse day and night, it is very significant. I would like to thank all the pro-Taiwan members of the National Assembly for standing up for justice and for speaking up for Taiwan. Taiwan for this display of resolve to maintain peace and stability in the Indo-Pacific together with Taiwan. Taiwan's and France's parliaments have a close and friendly relationship. I will do all I can to assist Taiwan and speak up for Taiwan. During a press conference at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, De Rougy explained why the National Assembly had decided to conduct a rare vote involving international affairs and pass the pro-Taiwan resolution. He said that seeing Taiwan's outstanding fight against COVID showed that the international community needed Taiwan's participation. The rarity comes from the fact that the French Senate and the French National Assembly both passed pro-Taiwan resolutions, so it can be said that the Parliament as a whole supports Taiwan's international participation. French delegate Frédéric Dumas, who had previously stated I am Taiwan at the National Assembly, praised Taiwan's defense of democracy and human rights. China does not respect freedom or human dignity. We can see that from the human rights abuses it's committing in Xinjiang. I would like to stress that Taiwan's future is tied to the future of humanity. I said, I am Taiwan, because I think we are all Taiwan. Dumas added that Australia had maintained its support for Taiwan even in the face of Chinese sanctions. She said the French government should also not be afraid to strengthen its cooperation with free democracies, hoping for closer Taiwan-France ties in the future. The new exhibition featuring artist Chen Jingyuan has kicked off at a Taipei Art Gallery. The exhibition showcases his latest works created during his residency at the Cité Internationale des Arts in Paris in 2020. Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang sat down with Chen to learn more about how his work has evolved through the pandemic. Chen explains the painting on the wall. This painting depicts Chen's view from his bedroom. Due to the pandemic, Chen spent nearly six months in isolation during the lockdown. During this period, Chen painted the streets of Paris and captured the daily lives of people. Your windows are actually not different from Taiwan. 
The doors and windows in Paris are not the same as those in Taiwan. They don't have window grills. They are actually very open, so you can see what people are doing inside. You can imagine it as a stage or a theater, and you can see people in other windows from your windows and see what their lives are like living under isolation. This time, my work is a response to my experience at the time. You can see the correspondence between the inside and outside of the window by opening a window. In fact, this work was inspired by the reception gate of the artist's residence I entered and exited every day. It's actually a very small place, but a family of four lives in there. The city was under lockdown for four or five months. They can only stay in there. Some paintings were inspired by the spaces he was allowed to move around during his residency, as well as his imagination. Chen said that the lockdown ruined his original plans, but it's also challenged him to push himself outside of his comfort zone, both mentally and physically. Chen said that though his space became constricted, the pandemic allowed him to broaden his painting and experiment with different themes. In February 2020, I went to Paris for the six-month residency held by the French Ministry of Culture. However, as soon as I got there, I was confronted with the pandemic. It was also because of the pandemic that my creations, which were more internal, imagined, or surreal, and with richer elements, began to transform. The subjects of my creation began to change. I tried to depict the scene or records of what I was experiencing from different angles. In the future, I might try other mediums. I will continue to paint, but I hope to experiment with different mediums, such as space or video installations. TKG Plus Art Gallery has launched Chen Jingyuan Pages 2021 to 20. TKG Plus Director Shelly Wu said that running a gallery focused on contemporary art during the pandemic was a challenge. The gallery had to adapt and innovate. It forced us to pause. I mean, in the beginning, yes, we panicked.、Um, we were kind of, you know, everything's out of control. But in a way, it forces us to slow down and rethink about、um, either programming, strategy, and everything. So it actually, in a way, I think during the past two years, it really improved our, for example, our kind of、um, online promotion. We now have 3D rendering,、um, you know,、uh, online exhibition that we can present to anyone around the world. Where As in the past, you know, people can have to come here physically to see the show. Actually, future goal, of course. I mean,、uh, you know, we、uh, TKG Plus has the foundation in really、uh, excavating all the、uh, potential artists from the region. So we now already have a body of established and emerging artists. So our goal is to really promote them internationally, to really be able to reach out to international audiences, because we believe that the quality of the artists here are, you know, they they have this ability, you know. Chen Jingren pages 2021 to 20 will be on display at TKG Plus Art Gallery till January 2nd. For most news, Stephanie Yang, Zhongshuhui in Taipei. In just a few hours, Taiwan will be voting on four referendum propositions. This time, around 19 million voters are eligible to cast a vote, including Taiwan nationals aged 18 and above. On the eve of the vote, the Central Election Commission offered some reminders to expedite the voting process. Officials urge voters to make up their minds on the four propositions before heading to the polling station, and to remember to bring their ID. D name seal and voting notice and face mask, of course.
It's the evening before the referendums. If you're voting on Saturday, remember to bring three important items with you to the polling station. Your ID card, CHOP and voting notice. Of course, face masks are also a must. Voters can also go to our website to confirm the location of their polling station, or they can check this on the Department of Household Registration website as well. If you forget your voting notice, that's fine. You can still head to the polls, but you absolutely must bring your ID card. Before voting, it is imperative for people to fully understand the questions. We really hope that voters can arrive with the decision in mind so that we can keep things moving quickly. The CEC urged voters to be fully informed on the poll questions before casting a vote. The number of eligible voters for this year's referendums is more than 19.83 million people. For a referendum to pass, at least one quarter of eligible voters must vote in favor of the proposition. That's at least 4.9 million yes votes. Also, votes in favor must outnumber the votes against. This time around, almost 400,000 people aged 18 to 20 are eligible to vote, and about 676,000 people could cast their first vote ever this Saturday. The referendums are being held separately from local or general elections, and campaigning will be allowed on the day of the vote, but no campaigning will be allowed within 30 meters of the polling station's entrance. There is a limit of 30 meters from the entrance to the polling station. In practice, if we can pull a line out from the door marking 30 meters, we will mark it off. Our plan is to be done with the preliminary counting of votes by 10 p.m. The CEC says the opening and counting of votes will be public, open and transparent. It has commissioned Zhonghua Telecom to assist with information security systems for the vote counting process. All necessary preparations have been made to ensure this year's referendums go as smoothly as possible. Control Yuan says the Yangmingshan National Park Administration failed to consider the well-being of wildlife last winter after setting up a perimeter of barbed wire fence in the park. Experts say the fence prevented wild water buffaloes in the park from freely foraging and wintering, which resulted in 50 buffalo deaths in just a few months. The park has since taken down the barbed wire but the control yuan says the park wasted public funds in both building and removing the fence. A water buffalo lies on the ground languishing. Since October 2020, a large number of wild water buffaloes have been found dead in Yangmingshan. As of February this year, 50 deaths had been reported, most of them in Qingtiangong grassland, where 31 of 39 animals perished. In previous years, the natural yearly death rate had been between 1 and 5. With deaths happening at over 10 times their usual rate, the control yuan launched an investigation into the matter. Water buffaloes migrate in winter to avoid the cold, but wire fencing hindered their movement. That policy was rather careless, and it was later retracted. That's something we need to correct. To prevent clashes between humans and the water buffaloes and to stop the animals from damaging crops, in 2019, the Yangmingshan National Park Administration set up wire fences to keep the water buffaloes within a 42-hectare perimeter, but that greatly limited their freedom to move, forage, and migrate for winter. After the explosion and deaths, the park took down the fences, spending a total of around 2.31 million NT. The control yuan says the park administration wasted public money and did not consider the well-being of the water buffaloes in its actions. What do national parks do? 
They conserve the natural landscape of our country, its wild animals and heritage. But then, the park built these barbed wire fences. It wasn't just fencing, it was barbed wire fencing. So doesn't that go against the whole purpose of establishing national parks? The Taipei City Animal Protection Office had initially issued the Park Administration a fine of 75,000 NT. The park submitted an appeal, which was later rejected, and is currently involved in an administrative suit. With winter just around the corner, it remains to be seen whether the water buffaloes will make it until spring. Well, the Lunar New Year is coming up, and workers around Taiwan are looking forward to their year-end bonuses. But this year is looking to be a disappointing one for many. According to an online job bank, just 76.3% of companies are planning to give out bonuses this year, down from 86% last year. And on average, they are offering the smallest bonuses in 11 years, giving out just 1.13 months of pay. Let's hear from a job bank representative. 年终奖金讲的当然是一整年公司的利润、绩效等等。Year-end bonuses fluctuate depending on the company's profits and performance over the year. But this year, profits only began recovering in the latter half of the year. So that isn't immediately reflected in the size of the bonuses. According to the survey, employees in the information technology sector will get the biggest bonuses with an average of 1.64 months of pay. The smallest bonuses are in the everyday service industry with an average of just 0.94 months of pay. With the Lunar New Year approaching, do you know where you're having your New Year's Eve dinner? Let's head to Taipei's Yongkang Street neighborhood to find out how some of Taipei's restaurants are preparing for the festive season. Multiple restaurants have introduced budget-friendly takeaway banquet menus. That's in the hope of attracting COVID-cautious or cash-strapped banqueters to join the party. A soy sauce glaze is toasted on the stove and drizzled over a whole yellow croaker. Fish is a must-have on the New Year banquet menu. The New Year gathering industry is worth 6 billion NT annually. This year, restaurants are bringing out takeaway set menus that cover all the bases, fish, meat and shellfish. But with the cost of living soaring, is it an affordable option? We want it to be relaxing, easeful and joyful for consumers to have a New Year banquet. We want everyone to be able to come and banquet, so we've launched a very reasonably priced takeaway New Year set that will not go up in price. Everything you see has gone up by about 10 to 20 percent. Pork ribs, for example, used to be 130 NT a caddy. This year they'll rise to about 150 NT. We're doing our bit by keeping it down so it doesn't overload people's burden. The ingredients in this spread have all got dearer since last year. The most eye-watering price increase is for imported seafood, which is 20% more expensive. The pork rib and green onions is made with Taiwanese pork. It's 10% more expensive. Chicken and fish have gone up too, anywhere between 10% and 30%. These restaurateurs are taking a hit and refusing to raise prices, but it's all part of the business plan. 
Our core concept is to keep the profit margin small so our cuisine can reach a wide clientele. We try to avoid passing costs on to consumers as far as possible. So we say, if there are things we can do here in the factory, it keeps down costs in the restaurant, such as rent. So in various ways, the costs are lower to do it in the factory. Yes, we buy many ingredients ourselves, which reduce costs. If you get outside suppliers in, they will add transportation fees. These restaurants are known for their high-quality cuisine, but the takeaway New Year banquets are a budget-friendly option. As the capital gets ready for an influx of returnees, eateries are keen to make splashing the cash as safe and painless as possible. Queen of Badminton Dai Ziying has advanced to the semifinals at the BWF World Championships in Spain. Dai beat her rival PV Sindhu from India in straight sets 21-17, 21-13. It's the first time Dai has advanced so high in the annual event. The past five times Dai had competed in the event, she had crashed out of the competition before the semis. The win against Sindhu means Dai will get at least a bronze and could have a shot at the gold.